We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings. Leg two of Open Championship preview. The extra show I promised individual player breakdowns from DraftKings Sportsbook. As we're recording this, the DraftKings pricing isn't out as of yet, but boy, do we have odds, bad odds at the moment too, because those will probably reset on Monday where we might get a bit more favorable wagers to place on some of our favorite picks of the week. Or maybe not. Who knows? Maybe they'll just take all the handle this week. But I do want to let you know I'm giving one of you $2,000. If you want $2,000, there's ways that you can get in that draw. Subscribe, rate, review, and download the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast on Apple Podcasts. That gets you 15 ballots. Do the same on Spotify. That gets you another 15 ballots. 10 ballots to subscribe to the free newsletter down in the description right now. Smash the like. And sub to Mayo Media Network that gets you a few more ballots at the same time. Share it around on social media. All these things will get you in that draw for one of you to claim $2,000. Also playing the DraftKings Listeners League. It's almost half full already. Link is down in the description. If you missed my course preview with Bamford, 
Now, after this, go watch that or go listen to it now that you're all subscribed to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast on Apple Podcast or Spotify. And the stats I'm pulling that you will see on the graphics today are all from FantasyNational.com. You want to get the best research site going? FantasyNational.com slash Mayo. I have now wasted too much time talking about all of this because we need to get into the players and my favorite article that comes out every single major championship is the player by player preview provided by one Ben Coley so I have kind of ripped that to make it into a video show and I decided to get the man behind it himself I love that article by the way it's the best thanks Pat um I'm thinking about entering your various uh, ways of winning two grand because uh I'm about to move house and I think that'll cover the uh, shipping costs of stuff so yeah mutual appreciation society when I win the 2k well, you can try to win the 2K, but you actually hit golf winners. So I'm like super in the hole. I don't hit golf <laughs> winners and I'm giving away 2K. So that's not great. But I want to try to find one this week. It'd be nice to get a major champion. Now that uh, my buddy Cust has you know picked Wyndham Clark to win as his strongest pick at the U.S. Open, it feels like the world and the dimensions are in flux that I need to rectify this with a winner here. So we'll start with Rory. He's the top of the betting board at DraftKings Sportsbook. Seven and a half to one at the moment. I'm kind of surprised he's the the favorite over Scotty Scheffler, but hey, when, when you go over to Britain and you have a Northern Irishman and people love Rory, that they want to bet on Rory. The form has been pretty good coming into it. He just can't close. Do you think that we're going to see a bigger number on Rory, or do you think this is where it's going to stay? I don't think it'll get too much bigger, no, to be honest with you, particularly the way he played in Scotland as well, obviously. So, uh, look, he's got every chance. I agree with you. I, I I don't really think he should be the favourite here. I think Scotty Scheffler deserves to be favourite. But when you bring in the fact that he won here in 2014, now the key difference, and and I know you'll have gone through this, but the the key difference is that the course back then was lush. Um, This time it's going to be firm and fast. And although Rory can play just fine in any conditions, I think were we uh, on the back of two months of rainfall rather than two months of sunshine, then his chances would be a lot stronger. So uh, as a betting option, he's not going to interest me at all as a, linchpin to many a successful DraftKings lineup, I'm sure he should interest people because he just keeps on banging on the door. And I do think one day it's going to swing open. Yeah, it just, you can only get yourself into contention so many times and then finally that you break through. I've always said that it's been held against Rory, that he constantly plays himself into contention. Like no one is saying that John Rahm can't close right now because John Rahm hasn't been in contention in three months. Yeah, that's right. And, and and John Rahm, actually, he's got a curious record in majors, really, because pretty much outside of the two he's won, and obviously winning is the uh, the number one thing we should measure these guys by, but uh, outside the two he's won over the last couple of years, he's very often been no real factor, uh, certainly the case this year um, since his Masters win. So throw in a sort of iffy open record. I know a lot of people look to his record in the Irish Open and uh, it's very hard to pick holes in John Rahm, but I do think uh, he's got more questions to answer than the other two ahead of him in the betting. And I think if you had to pick one player uh, and you take away the the mental aspect of the back nine and what happened at St Andrews and what happened again at Oak Hill, which Rory obviously said to his manager was St Andrews all over again. If you take those aspects away and just try and find a player to almost guarantee a good week then you'd have to say Rory would be that player Uh, he has no big weakness in his game so while I do think Scotty should probably be favorite in the market 
if there's someone you can hang your hat on playing well, I, I do think he is Rory. I mean, you could probably say the same thing about Scheffler. Five conser- nine consecutive top fives before we know what the conclusion in Scotland is going to be. Uh, after the morning wave on Friday, he played himself inside the top five. We'll see if he is still there by the end of the day. Probably not with the way the conditions were playing, unless it gets super windy all the time. But he does seem like the safest bet. And when Steve and I talk through everything that is required at this course, especially in the conditions that we're going to see, it just everything points to him once again. He doesn't have his major yet this year and he's been lurking he just can't putt but I think that these greens and if the conditions are a little bit more difficult this time around than they were in 2014 I just feel like that's a big advantage to Scheffler yeah it definitely will be I mean look he's he's a couple more bad putting away so weeks away from a really disappointing year in which he wins uh, the Phoenix Open the Players Championship maybe the FedEx Cup Um, but it will be bugging him that you know he's not capitalized quite in the way we would expect from this spectacular tee to green run. I think back to St. Andrews last year, I know there'd already been signs that his hot run of putting in the spring was coming to an end, but really felt like St. Andrews last year was where it became established that he did have a bit of a problem. And and it's a year without solving it, really. He solved it well enough to, to win a couple of massive titles. And, you know, I think what was he, leader in distance and greens at Sawgrass, that's always going to give you some leeway with the putter. But yeah, he's got most things in his favour. I know some people have talked about his bunker play, perhaps not always being brilliant, um, which could be a factor. Obviously, really small bunkers around most of these greens and uh, that could uh, play some sort of part. But uh, look, trying to find weaknesses in Scotty Scheffler is <laughs> very, very difficult. Uh, he's the He's the best player in the world for my money and uh, I'm sure he'll play well. Do you ever put into, like, where Spieth has such a good record at the Open Championship? We've said, like, Justin Leonard is an Open Champion. Do you think that there's something with the style of play in Texas that actually translates more to Lynx golf than if you're from Florida or California? Yeah, I think there's definitely an argument there that you've you've had uh, greater exposure to the likely conditions. I think when we look at tournaments in the U.S. that tend to provide good guides to the Open, like the Honda Classic, obviously, in Florida, would be one of them. You look at the the role of honor there and it's a bunch of open winners or players who should be open winners. Uh, But as far as Texas goes, yeah, you've got all those obvious ones. But I remember as well thinking exactly that thought when uh, Austin Connolly, if you remember (laughs) him, I'm sure you do remember him. But when he, I think it was, uh, it was Birkdale, wasn't it? When when his friend Jordan Spieth went on to win and and Connolly, I think, had lived with Spieth in Texas and and went to college in Texas. I mean, God knows what he's doing with himself now, but um, I I think there are quite a number of examples of players um, at all levels who uh, have had an education in the States that is a little bit more um, preparatory for for an Open Championship. And, And a lot of it as well comes down to having an old head on young shoulders sometimes. I think that certainly applies to Jordan Spieth and I'm not going to sit here with my head of hair, if you can call it that, and, and start taking pops at people looking older than they are. But as well as looking older than he is, Scotty Scheffler also uh, probably acts and, and thinks a little bit older than he is as well. So uh, no surprise if he were the latest in a long line of uh, Texas golfers to conquer the Open. See, I thought you just cut your hair into that style for this episode because you were doing it as a <laughs> yeah, tribute absolutely. to Jordan Spieth. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, I wish. I need to see his plugs, man, I think. Yeah, well, listen, you talk to Joe Buck, you talk to Jordan Spieth, and all of a sudden, if you win that 2000 bucks, screw moving and just fly to Turkey and get it done. 
Too right. Too right. And I'd probably get one of those cheap flights over to Turkey as well. That's where everyone's going these days. That or somewhere in South America, which sounds a bit more pricey from your location at the moment. So I, I think Scheffler is very clearly the strongest play at the top. And 9-1, to one, I mean, I don't want to say it feels like value because it's not value when you're betting a guy at a major championship who can barely putt at 9-1. to one. But versus the Rory odds, versus these Rom odds, and even the Brooks odds, they seem really fair, and I'm surprised they're not 6-1, to 7-1. to one. It feels like we're getting a bit of a discount because everyone just wants Rory to win rather than Scotty being the probability favorite to actually win. Yeah, I think that's a very wet, fair way of putting it. Um, all that being said, I'll be honest with you, like if there's one uh, major championship where I just think it's probably best to overlook betting guys uh, i mean obviously if you're going to be winning on DraftKings this week you're going to need at least one of those i would think but um you know in terms of actually parting with your money and having a bet i i think it's the tournament where you can just unless you really do see a good edge of value and, you, and you're thinking scotty should be four or five points shorter i think you just go elsewhere and obviously it can be different depending on what markets you can access and whether you can get paid out for finishing eighth or ninth or tenth or even twelfth as we can over here so uh, that does dictate somewhat but it only takes a bad draw a bad hour i mean rory 2010 at st andrews you know that kind of thing can happen to anybody in the open um and i think it would just dissuade me from really getting too hung up on rory or scotty and just saying you know what i'll take neither Okay, I mean, I think that's, I mean, you're talking my language here. That means I can just bet more guys down the board, which I'm always in favor of doing rather than pushing all my chips into the middle. Uh, one guy, which I've done. I bet Scheffler at the Masters. Obviously, he didn't win. I bet Rom at the U.S. Open. Obviously, he didn't win. So uh, maybe it is a bit of value hunting I can go down the board and try to find. You mentioned the conditions in 2014, which led to Rory. It was a bit of soggy conditions, which really allowed him to fire driver every single time with relatively no penalty because if he was landing it in the fairway, it was staying in the fairway. And he gained he gained the most distance of any player in the field. I went over all of the stats on the research show that came out yesterday. You can see them visualized in front of you. But he also gained an accuracy too, which is nice in everything. But if it's going to play firm and fast, he can't dial back with driver and just pretend he's going to hit 80% of fairways. He's going to be in a lot of trouble. And if there's one thing that really stood out to me from 2014 and the players that did really well outside of Steven Gallagher, which it seemed like he made 3,000 feet of putts to finish inside of the top 20, it's that you need accuracy. Like if you're not in the fairway, you're not going to score. Yeah. Absolutely right. And, you know, I think Rory said on the Friday of, of his open win here that he hit six drivers, but I think there were four, maybe five, three woods as well. Uh, and you contrast that with Tiger in 2006. So I think hit driver once, made bogey, put it away for the week. Um, now, the game has changed a lot in 17 years. I, I don't think you're going to see anybody, even someone as uh, wise perhaps as Scheffler putting driver away because I think there are opportunities and particularly let's not forget with the lengthening of the two par fives late on in the round you are going to need to hit some drivers and, and anyone who drives it you know long and straight you know that that works anywhere um, but I do think it, you, you're taking away the the probably the chief reason Rory McIlroy won this tournament in 2014 you, you're at least nullifying the advantage you can gain in that way um, particularly with the new hole added as well. We've got a really short par three at the end of the course. They've lost a different hole. And yeah, just just a few small reasons to think driver is going to be less influential. And I certainly agree with you that 
accuracy from the tee, staying out of the bunkers is always important and open, but I think more so here. And it's a, although scoring wise, I think if you add up the last two here, 35 under par for the last two winners, and that's exactly the same as St. Andrews uh, over the last two opens to be played there. But I just think that those scores are built in very different ways. Uh, and, uh, you know, generally speaking, good scores at St. Andrews are built with your driver and your wedge or your wedges, um, I think here you're going to see a little bit more in terms of long irons, in terms of medium irons as well. Um, potentially circumstances where a player might play a longer path four with two five irons, for instance. And that that's a very different uh, test than the one we got nine years ago. Yeah, and we're seeing much smaller greens uh, at Hoylake than we, I mean, the giant greens at St. Andrews where you have 150-foot putts. You're not going to see a whole lot of those this week. So the reliance on the short game and the creativity around the greens, along with the fact that accuracy probably means more than distance, kind of brings a lot of players into the field. Although it's funny when we go back and look at it, like I can be like, oh, you know what? Denny McCarthy could win this Open Championship based on the skill set that's required. And then you go look at the past two winners, and this is what I brought up with Steve, like Tiger and Rory. So the best player in the world won. It's And when you go and look at the top of the leaderboards, like you have very few like, who the hell is that guy? Which you do see at some Open Championships. It's like, I've never heard of that guy since like eight years ago, whatever it was. When you look at these two leaderboards, it's like Adam Scott, Sergio, Ricky, Tiger, Rory, Charles, like guys that have either won the Masters, won an Open Championship, or have just been in our lives for a very long time. So it's hard to make that bet now, especially with some of these young guys being like, oh, you know, is hell who's just a random dude that I can pick out here is Rasmus Hogard really going to be a guy who is competitive on a worldwide stage 10 years from now if you think that answer is yes he might be a good bet this week yeah look I think you've hit on the the bottom line with the open certainly of late um and, and around a course like this there are a couple of courses and the one that comes to my mind is Royal St George's where obviously Colin Morikawa won um, and he was up against Spieth and Louis. So, you know, it, it worked out in terms of... Uh, but also in the mix that week, I remember Dylan Fratelli was there. Uh, Mac Hughes. Corey Connors. Yes, Mac Hughes was there. And I think most people would tell you, if you go through the interviews <laughs> ahead of an open at St. George's, everyone's trying to be polite. But there's a little undercurrent of, yeah, this place is a little bit tricked up and not necessarily the... Fair's the wrong word because Lynx golf is never really fair. But it, it's one where the bounce can be particularly cruel. Um, or particularly generous. And I think Hoylake is all links courses are flat, but this is like pretty flat around the greens as well. And I think it's probably a course which is predisposed even now, or perhaps even more so now that it's been toughened up and lengthened. I think I've read that it's the longest back nine in open history. Um, I, I think it's going to produce a high class leaderboard. Um, there's, there's no one's going to fluke their way into this. Now that's not to say someone couldn't have a career week, but what we know about majors is that overwhelmingly they're won by someone with real pedigree that we have had a few surprises in the open darren clark obviously being being one of them ernie was a fairly big price uh when he won it last but generally speaking the surprises are still guys who've got that back class if you like so yeah the winner is going to come from the world's top 50 I'd, I'd have almost no doubt about that i just don't think it necessarily has to come from the top three and, uh, and that's where the fun starts, I guess. We've got 47 to go through. <laughs> yeah, and uh, when we think about the outside of the top 50, we're not even considering any of the live guys who have fallen out, who might be randomly the 82nd best player in the world at the moment when, I mean, I don't know what Neiman is at the moment, but he might be like the 13th best player in the world. Who knows? 
or gooch yeah that's a that's a very good and important distinction like yeah I'm, please don't be messaging me if dustin johnson wins and i said he couldn't because he's not in the required uh ranking i have no idea where these guys are ranked but yeah one of the best 50 players in the world let's put it that way forget the owgr um but yeah I, it's going to be a member of the elite um no doubt about that well almost no doubt about that anyway yeah, the point that you hit on, yeah, if you hit it long and you hit it straight, that's going to play anywhere, and that's the best skill that you could probably have in golf. But I don't think that if it does play firm or fast, like you said, one bad break can kind of take you out of a tournament. So the way that I would equate it is if Rory wants to go driver every single time, especially on some of these short-ish par fours where you can get yourself to 115 yards, 98 yards, and just have a flick wedge in and probably make birdie from that position is it worth trying to do that every time knowing one bad bounce off that driver and you're in a gorse bush and you're making an eight all of a sudden is the birdie chance an easier birdie chance worth it from that range rather than hitting a five wood to 150 out and probably still putting it to 20 feet and trying to make a birdie whatever it might be but that just being a better safer play it does feel like the safer play is the path of least resistance here because you just take those giant numbers out of play and i do think that's what we're going to see yeah, I agree. And actually, I would say that that's broadly in Rory's favour. Like, in in a sense, yeah, he's going to be less favoured by the nature of the course, by it playing differently to 2014. But I think probably we underestimate his golf intelligence. Um, and I think, you know, I'd be more worried that Rahm is aggressive off the tee when he needn't be, for instance, than Rory. I think he, you know, his open record, he's contended at the pretty much everywhere he's been in this tournament. Uh, Carnoustie in 2018 when it was baked out he wasn't at his best really and then suddenly you look up on Sunday and he's got a chance Birkdale the year before was the same um, and I think he is smart I mean if anything go back to the US Open and, and maybe laying up was what cost him there you know on the on the par 5 late in the back 9 um, I don't think Rory will fail for making bad decisions um, it's a question I suppose of saying that against the fact that it would it would favour him on a purely uh, numbers level to be able to thrash driver as often as possible. I, so what I'm saying is I don't think you'll fall into the trap, but obviously that means fewer drivers and fewer drivers is lower chance of him winning. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. 
they found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. John Rom. It's funny because we talk about you know Rom's not playing great since the Masters. You know he did come second against you know, Tony Finau and Batia in Mexico, and when he tried to defend that title, but he was top ten at the U.S. Open. Like the trends still support what he's up to. He missed the cut at the Travelers. I don't really care about that. The chipping's gotten bad. He's had some bad putting weeks, and the driver just was not working for him in round one at the U.S. Open. After that, it was actually quite good. Do you think that there's sort of like a delayed effect here with Rom that maybe he is someone that we should be targeting because? Just people will want to talk about Brooks. Cam Smith just won on live. Obviously, Scotty and Rory are the big things. Rahm has been the best player this year. It just, it's just been a while since he's really been the best player in the world. It's been since Augusta, but I don't know. It, it seems like a pretty fair price on... Like If you had told me after the Masters that we'd be at the Open Championship and you could see a number as high as 14 next to John Rahm, it feels pretty good. Yeah, and what you've done there is pretty much read out the case I made for backing him at the U.S. Open. Me too. Um, I backed him too. And, <laughs> yeah, and look, I, I think to some degree it still stands. My my worry would be that we've not seen him um, since the Travelers, right? And I, there are loads of different ways to prepare. I mean, players have won this from a week off. They've won it from the John Deere Classic. They've won it from, I think Brooks might have played the 3M Open or something before he uh, went close at Poor Rush. Obviously, didn't win it. Um, but Generally speaking, I do think preparing in Scotland makes sense. I think preparing somewhere competitive makes sense. So it would be a little question mark for me. And it's a strange... I mean, the one I really don't understand is Colin Morikawa. I mean, here's a guy who's been to the Scottish Open, learned something there, and took it with him to England the following week and won the Open. Why Why you wouldn't follow the exact same path, I don't know. But, um, you know, we'll see how it works out for both of them. But as far as Ram goes specifically, he's one I... I I think you can just limit yourself to making a decision after players started. I understand why anyone would want to take 12 to 1 if you can get that. Over here at the moment, you've got a best of 11. Um, I can understand why you'd want to take it and and hope for a good start. For me, I'd probably just wait and see. And if he makes that good start, I don't think he's going anywhere. But he's just played himself out of a few tournaments early on. Um, and I'd just like to get a look at where his short game is. You know, in, in a sense, it feels like he's back where he was this time last year. Um, which is a strange thing to say because obviously he's achieved so much since. But in some ways, it feels like he is where he was 
ahead of St Andrews and he was never really a factor there and it would worry me that he could just get off to a bit of a home home start and all of a sudden the tournament's got away from him. Brooks is up next on the betting board, the PGA champion, someone who has experience on the Challenge Tour, someone who has experience on the DP World Tour. As an American player, he's probably of the very top-end guys, has played the most Lynx golf uh, of any of them. And obviously now he's on live. But he didn't play the week before. He played two weeks ago at Centurion in London. Uh, and usually he does his best majors performances when he plays the week before. Now, maybe you just fudge that and say two weeks before. But for whatever reason, I just don't have big Brooks wins the Open vibes. No, I don't either. But I'd have said the same thing again ahead of the PGA. So um, I, I think it's fair to say I've not necessarily been a good judge of Brooks Kepka um, since he won in Phoenix. Anyway, that's a long time ago now. Um, but obviously, yeah, as you said, no no problem with conditions, attitude, maturity, choosing the right shot, uh, putting a mistake out of your mind. All these things that make him such a fabulous major golfer are all still in play. But if we're saying that it's against Rory not to be able to lean on driver quite so much, I think it's against Brooks as well. I think when he's at his best in majors, you know, two of the big reasons are the fact that he can hit lots of drivers and the fact that he can take out half the golf course with the way he can rely upon his best driving uh, with that left to right shot. And around Hoylake, I just don't see that being the formula it's going to take a lot more and and yeah you could say the same about port rush where he was the one um but he was really at the height of his powers then i, I yeah he's won a major this year he could have won too um but i don't think he's quite at the same level that i don't think he's quite got the same fear factor and i could be completely wrong but I, that's just the sense i get um and he played well at Birkdale, obviously in 2017 but i i think this is the one that will Costing the Grand Slam, to be honest with you. I, um, obviously, it's the, the only one he needs. Um, no, it's not. He needs Augusta. I think this is the one that costs him the Grand Slam. Um, I, I just, I think the reason he's so good, apart from the mental side, I, I don't want to talk down about Brooks Kepka at all, but I think there are things that make him such a formidable force in majors uh, that don't apply here in the UK. So, yeah, he's not for me. Well, if they do want to freeze him out, they can just give J.B. Holmes a special exemption and pair him up with Brooks as, like a, <laughs> as a walker and just have Brooks lose his mind for five hours. That always uh, There are plenty of uh, J.B. Holmes equivalents in the field. So, yeah, get him with Dick Bland for a couple of days and he'll be fine. Is there, Besides Dick Bland, is there anyone on the DP World Tour who's just a notorious slow player? Like, Imagine like if Brooks just gets paired up with Cantlay. Like, good thing Sam Bennett's not in this tournament. <laughs> Yeah, too right. Um, it would have been Adrian Morong, but he seems to have uh, sped up quite a bit. It's pretty ruthless now. It's a bit like if, you, if you've just been slow for like 10, 15 years, it's accepted. But if you come out and you're slow, if you're a youngster who's slow, they, they leapt on Morong and they leapt on Sam Horsfield as well um, when he came out. Um, but it's funny, they, they tend not to say it about the old dudes. I mean, no one's ever said it about Richard Bland that he got a slow play penalty, I gather, on the live tour. So, yeah, uh, we'll see who he gets screwed with. But like you say, Cantley would be a problem. Uh, Cam Smith, just one in London on Live Tour is basically, as Feinberg pointed out, reading the tea leaves with Cam Smith, that he didn't really play any golf before Augusta. He just kind of took St. Andrews to Augusta off. But since the Masters, he's been amazing. But everything that we talked about, and maybe this will allow him to club down and gain some accuracy off the tee, which would go a big, big help into helping him actually defend his Open Championship crown. But... If he has to hit driver, it feels like he's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well put. Um, look, I'll say 
US Open record prior to this year was rubbish, right? Um, and I think it's not a surprise that it got better when he had some space. Although his driving numbers are still not great, he can avoid playing himself out of the tournament, which had happened in several of the US Opens. I mean, the exception would be Chambers Bay, big wide fairways and, and somewhat open-like conditions. But I think there's a big difference between St. Andrews and Hoylake. And the thing, I mean, I was on Smith last year and the, I came round to the view, like in the, the weekend before, that St. Andrews might be really good for him because he's a he's one of those guys who can make seven birdies in nine holes. I think it had been the PGA actually that year where he might have done something like that, but then played the other nine in 40 or whatever. But I think he's someone who can really get on a roll. And I just don't quite, although Hoylake has been one of the easier open venues, I think with the changes they've made, could be quite a bit tougher this year. Um, and as you said, his lack of accuracy is a problem and it doesn't, doesn't just apply to the driver either. So we'll see how he goes. He's, he's got an electric short game. He's a brilliant golfer who produces at the highest level. There's nothing I can say really except that I think he's short enough for someone who is not necessarily going to find this as suitable as St. Andrews was always likely to be. So those are all the golfers below 20 to 1 right now. It's the big five when we think about it. Now we're at 20 to 1, and Xander just remains 20 to 1. It does feel like if there's go the U.S. Open and the Open seem like the two that Xander would ever get, and he just strikes me as... I mean, he actually strikes me as someone, not that I think he's just going to win the PGA Championship, but if you look back at the end of his career, like, oh, Xander got one major. It was the PGA Championship. That would just logically make a lot of sense to me. But he seemingly has a really good links game, which is weirdly surprising to me. And I don't know why that's surprising to me, but it is. I just wish he was in better form coming in. Yeah, I think he's probably got that sort of game that just works anywhere, hasn't he? Um, he, he just does everything so well and is so able to to go with whatever it's required in that moment and on that day and we saw that at Carnoustie when I think he was 100 to 1 that's five years ago now and he's going up 100 to 1 and could easily have won and I, I think he is one of those who probably benefits more because it, obviously a brilliant driver of the ball as well but I think he benefits more from things being slightly more subtle than he loses from not being able to lean on his driver quite so much so I think he's got a really strong chance Xander Xander, as you said, he's 20 to 1. It feels like you could just put him in at 20 to 1 for every single top class tournament. Um, and that would be about right. Um, you know, there's no secrets here. He plays to a very consistent and consistently high level. As for whether it'll be his week, you know, I mean, the way he fought back in the PGA after that horror start has to be uh, of encouragement. But then you go to the next major, he shoots 62 on day one. And I thought, well, with the way he fought back at the PGA, uh, and with the way that leaderboard was looking early on, he's going to take a heck of a lot of beating and he's finished 10th. And I, I, I think that has to be held against him. Um, so, you know, if he was to edge out to 22, 25, yeah, for, run for your money, yeah, fine. But I think there are more exciting options who are more likely to go ahead and win the thing. Yeah, the, the issue with Xander's pricing right now at 20 to 1 is that I don't think he's entirely dissimilar from the players that are 28 to 1, 35 to 1. He is at the top end of that range in terms of the betting odds, but he's in that range. He's not in the range of, I mean, Cam Smith feels a bit overpriced, but it's because he's the defending champion golfer of the year in just one. Rides great form, but Rory Scheffler, Raman Brooks are a tier by themselves. Cam Smith, because of circumstances, is there. And then the next 
20 guys are all kind of the same guys. You can talk about upside, downside, consistency, but I think that we do need to think about price a little bit more once we get into this range because Hovland is also 20 to 1. I had a sparkling day two at the Scottish Open in much easier conditions when it got a little bit... Basically, round two of the Genesis Scottish Open was exactly like what we were talking about what happened at Hoylake in 2014. It, It rained a little bit, got a bit wet, and all of a sudden, ball strikers paradise. Guys are hitting driver and pin-seeking, although when it wasn't that way, in windier and firmer conditions on day one, Vic didn't have a fucking clue. Yeah, no, look, I still worry about short game. I know people will look and they'll look at the majors and is around the green game, the numbers say he's better. Um, and that's great, but <laughs> I just have my doubts when it comes to the crunch, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah, I think he, look, he's better than he's a better bet than Xander. Um, I think you you put that really nicely that Xander is at the top end of that next wave, and yet in terms of you know that's probably a reflection of how reliable he is rather than the explosive element that the Victor has. Um, I do like the fact that he's been knocking on the door for the last twelve months, and it all really started at the Open last year when obviously he had a tough time in that final round, kind of got lost in the the rest of the story that day, but. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd still worry about a short game. And I, I think, as you alluded to at the very top, some players with really, really good short games are involved in this uh, in 2014. And I just need a bit more convincing. Um, I think he's a major champion almost as close to without doubt as you can be, um, allowing for the fact we have to have some doubt. Um, but I don't think it's this week. I think maybe we'll be waiting for perhaps next year's US Open feels like a good one for him. Uh, but Never mind all that. I think this week he plays well, but doesn't win. I, I kind of see the same thing. I could see him missing the cut too, because I'm not sold on the short game either. I think I'm sold on the short game when he's always actually performed really well in major championships when it comes to chipping, uh, whether they're runoff areas at Augusta or even as we saw at Southern Hills a year ago or even at LACC that we saw that he was able to get it up and down pretty well. Oak Hill was the same thing, but his biggest strength is he's just going to hit so many greens in regulation that he doesn't have to chip as often with smaller greens here, shaved off areas, and the element of creativity in Lynx golf that is so dissimilar to what you see on the PGA Tour, I think it is the creativity problem that we're going to see from Vic. As I, I kind of feel the same way about Aberg when it comes down to it as well. They're kind of like robot golfers that are programmed to smash the ball straight, hit great irons, make a few putts. But when it comes to, you know, I need to just kind of stop it at the top of that hill there to get it to go that way. Like that's Spieth and Scheffler territory. That's not Victor territory. Totally, yeah. He's a metronome, isn't he? And and as we've talked a lot about driver here and it being taken out of players' hands, I mean, the the real thing that's underpinned his uh, improved performances lately after a pretty slow start to the year, um, you know, slow by elite level standards. And the thing that has underpinned uh, his win at Memorial and, and the way he's played in the majors has been the driver. So, um, yeah, you throw in that and that, I think creativity is a really good word for it. Seeing those shots, understanding that you've got 10 ways to play the same shot, And actually, Victor's probably got one or two ways, uh, and that can leave you in some difficult positions. Spieth is up next. I like Spieth this week. Uh, The price is a bit short. I kind of feel like, you know, if Xander is a prototype of one type of player in this range, Spieth is the, hell, he might as well, you might as well put a British flag next to his name. Like, he's the same as Hatton to me and Fitzpatrick to me, and those guys are just better prices for whatever reason. He's 20 to 1, and that's... It's unfair. 
he should be like 30 to 1, 35 to 1, realistically to win, but he's won here. People love Jordan Spieth, and they do know that the Lynx style game is going to help him. If he ends up missing the cut at the Scottish, then all of a sudden you're going to get a better price on him. So maybe I'll reevaluate the situation. But with the way that he has been playing, it's inconsistent. But even when he was bad, he played well at the Open. Yeah, um, I, and ultimately we're paying the price for how well he's played in this and the Masters, aren't we? When we come to these two majors, the, the conundrum is, well, you know, week to week, he is not quite at the level of some of the players we've discussed, and yet he will be priced at their level for these because of his quality, underlying qualities as a golfer and the things he's achieved, particularly in the Open and, of course, Augusta. And a lot of the skills, by the way, are transferable, despite the fact they look and feel so different. So I think maybe the the, the bottom line is if he does miss the cut in Scotland, which looks eminently possible as we're talking now on Friday, uh, and you can get 28, 33 to 1, I don't think you will. But if you could, then yeah, you have to be interested. The other thing, obviously, we have to um, hopefully wait and see about his wrist. I mean, I'm guessing given that he played 27 holes on Tuesday... Um, I don't think the wrist is a problem, but I wish someone had asked him in his press conference um, how the wrist was because there was talk of surgery, minor surgery, and 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 he didn't play the Travelers, which felt strange. It felt like that could only be about the wrist, given that it was worth so much money and that he's won it before. So I think there's a nagging doubt there, and the way he's played in Scotland will put a lot of people off, but hopefully that'll force his price out. I just wouldn't be convinced that it does because... It's Jordan Spieth and it's the Open Championship and, and nobody really among the Americans has a stronger record. Morikawa is 22 to 1. I'm sure that we're going to get a better number on Morikawa, especially since he skipped the Scottish Open. I Listen, all the same problems that I have with Vic, I, I'm definitely going to have with Colin Morikawa. However... He can actually utilize driver here. There's two guys at the top. I mean, Rory, Rahm, and Scheffler and Brooks could potentially just hit driver every time because they do hit it straight enough, and maybe it works out for the week. Morikawa can hit driver every time here with the way that he's now hitting it again and be absolutely fine, and his lack of distance might actually be more distance than a lot of players this week who have to dial it back off the tee because his accuracy is so high. The irons are back. We know he can't chip. He can't putt. But sometimes he does putt on slower surfaces, and these putting greens do seem to have slower putting surfaces. Yeah, there'll be ten and a half, I guess, on the stim, something like that. Um, so maybe that will help. I mean, it's the curious thing about Morikawa, isn't it? He's won two majors, and we, you know, when he was winning his majors, he's a killer. He's this and that, and yeah, you know, it's hard to argue with. I'm not, I'm not here to talk him down, really. And the, I'll always remember the shot he hit into sixteen at Harding Park. But when you go back. He's won two majors because of his putter, um, you know, and because he stood up in the moment when he had to. And that is an intangible that is hugely impressive. Um, but if you need him to be the best putter in the field for him to win one of these things, then blimey, you're asking for a lot. Um, he's been putting better of late. Um, but when it came to it to make a 12-footer to my absolute pain, he he couldn't do it in Detroit. Um yeah, I, I think if you're, you know, we're ultimately we're trying to sift between very, 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 very good golfers here. I would be pretty happy to to take him on because I do think as well, it, it's a really strange decision, as I said before, not to play in Scotland. I just don't quite understand that. I know he's gone to Detroit and added a new event to his schedule or what have you, but come on, you can you can play twice in the four weeks between the two majors, surely, and, and still feel like you're fresh. So I'm surprised he's not played. Um, and it might just come back to haunt him because although he played really badly in the Scottish Open before he won at St. George's, he learned a lot. 
Um, and he could have learned a lot this week, and he's decided to do something else. So I think that's a mistake. If I end up seeing a three in front of his name, I'm probably going to... I mean, hell, I might pull the trigger anyway because I'm, I'm such a goober when it comes to Kawamorikawa, but we'll end up seeing. If we get the 33 in front of him, I mean, that was the lucky number I hit him at at Harding Park, so maybe that's the number that I need to go back to see if he can win his second Open Championship. And I do think that the slower greens do help him. He's actually gained on the greens in three straight. If he just brings his regular ball striking and doesn't chip himself out of the tournament... Now we could be in business with some of these guys. Uh, We're going to start going rapid fire through everyone right now. If you want some rapid fire meals, I have a solution for you. Meal kits, you know, they're nice and everything. They get delivered to your house. If they still take like 30 minutes to prepare, you got to cut up some peppers. That's absolute dog shit. What you need to do is head to factormeals.com slash mayo50. Use code mayo50 to get 50% off your first box. They send it to you. You put it in the microwave. You put it in the oven. You heat it up. And boom, it's ready in less than five minutes. That is the kind of efficiency that I need in my life because I like to go golfing and I have kids. Those two things don't really work in unison when you also have to spend like 30 to an hour cooking meals for everyone at the same time. Factor meals slash mayo 50 get it done all right smash the like while you're here as well ricky fowler i think he's gonna win yeah no i mean if you've got 50 to 1 on your betting slip or 66 to 1 well done uh but you're not taking 25 22 i might i might (laughs) okay you do you it it just it's all lining up to be perfect for him like every trend that you look at i mean most Open Championship winners have won at some point in the past three months. Ricky has. Do they have a bunch of good or at least a really strong major performance already in the year? Ricky does. Does he have great performances at the Open historically? He does have a lot of them, including a second place finish at this very course in 2014. It's now or never. It almost feels like that, unless he becomes a Darren Clark or an Ernie Els, who picks up an Open Championship win at the very late stages of their career. And there was one shot I was watching earlier. It's just funny the little things that stick with you. Jeff talked about hearing the sound of Aberg's driver at the range of the Canadian Open and how that's going to cost him an awful lot of money over the years. Ricky wasn't playing well. It was either at Colonial... It may have been Byron Nelson. It was somewhere. He was short-sighted. The chip was impossible. And I saw a few people try to chip it from that exact same spot during the round when I was watching the coverage. They all made bogey. They all tried to take on the hole, and it just didn't work, and they offed themselves at 17 feet. Ricky hit this weird flop shot 20 feet past the hole off a bank to roll it back down to the hole, tapped it in for par, and got on his way. I think his creativity is very underrated, and... It's now weirdly being held against him that he finally broke through and won, even though it was a lesser field event. I just think that he's playing great golf, and he's proven that against either the best in the world, not the best in the world, all comers, Ricky's playing well. I'm not there yet to pull the trigger. I see him at 28-1, to 1, and I'm very interested. Yeah, look, and you made a good case for him, and I've always thought he was an open champion in the making. You know, I remember back at St. Andrews 2010, I think he... It looked like he played him his way out of the tournament in round one and he came flying through the field. And let, yeah, creative, he's got a great attitude, he, he enjoys this style of golf, he plays well in the wind, all those things. There's an element of like looking over at Wyndham Clark and thinking, well, my path is similar, or, or Brooks Kepka as well. In the, I said it when he was in the mix at Oak Hill, like I didn't expect, I, I was on him that week at 66 to 1. And I did not expect him to win, despite the fact he'd led after 18, 36 and 54. It just didn't all of a sudden when it came to it, it's like actually no this is too soon and yeah that's why you've taken 66 to 1 right <laughs> um there, there was always going to be that doubt and and maybe just as brooks had to lose again before he could win again 
he can, you know, having done that now in Detroit, it might just fall into place for him. I just, look, his numbers say he's one of the top 10 golfers in the world. That I just, it, you have to be ruthless with them at these odds. And I just think he's too, uh, he has too little in his favor in terms of the ability to go and see this through. Uh, that's a really wishy-washy way of saying, I just don't think he'll close it out. And, and that is not really the sort of thing I like to throw at golfers. But I think with Ricky, it's always in the back of my mind. And it's why I would want a bigger press, essentially. Well, now we need to get into a quick game of, you know, play, pass, or interest. Maybe interested or pass outright. Because obviously we're not committing to any bets at the moment. We're still pretty early in the week and we want to wait for the odds adjustment. But everything you just said about Ricky Fowler, one of the reasons I'm not going to bet Tommy Fleetwood at 25-1 to to win a major. Yeah, I mean, you just have to let him go and win it. I mean, it's one of those as well. It's quite easy for me. If Tommy Fleetwood wins this tournament on Sunday night, I'll be crying with tears of joy, regardless of whether I've won or not. So, yeah, just let him go win it. Shane Lowry, 25-1. to 1. That actually seems like a much better price than Tommy Fleetwood at 25-1. to 1. But I have a feeling once we get the reset odds on Monday that Shane Lowry is all of a sudden going to be like 40-1. to 1. Yeah, we'll see. I hope he is. I don't think he will be, actually, especially after his second round in Scotland. I, I'd be interested in Shane. I kind of always am. Um, he's still got a question mark over short putting. He's, his strokes gained putting stats from the Scottish Open will be exceptional because he holds a 79-foot putt today. Uh, and then he holds a 35-foot putt and a 17-foot par putt. It, it was going in from all over the place. But yesterday, when he had to hold a five-foot sort of momentum-saving par putt, he dribbled the thing to the side of the hole. And that is Shane in terms of his putting. It's not a reflection of his mental weakness or anything. It's just he's not comfortable over five-foot putts, and he never really has been. Um, if it's going to come together again anywhere, it'll be in the open. Um, and I, I think he's got a really good chance if he can hold those important putts at the important times. And if you go back to Port Rush, he actually hold one for bogey on the very first hole in the final round, about six feet. And at the moment, he's missing those. And that's the big concern. But if he drifts to something with a three Rather than a two, I think you have to be interested. It's funny. You mentioned that he makes all the long putts. When I woke up and started watching the coverage this morning, it had just, like, the rain was starting to affect the speed of the greens, and Lowry hit it to about 43 feet. No, it was a, he didn't hit the And he three putted. And he three putted, yeah. <laughs> like, the moment I turned it on, I was like, oh, great. Here we go. Patrick Cantlay. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah, Cantlay's a big price, I think. I, I think he's probably the fifth most likely winner of the Open, and therefore, if you're getting 28-1, to 1, then you're getting the good side of the deal. I know people think he doesn't ever play well in majors. If you look at his record, I think it's, what is it, five top 15s in a row, maybe six? That's playing well, and it's playing to a level that just means you're the very small details away. And yeah, you can say that the, the reason he's on the wrong side of the small details is something inherent, something about him. I don't agree with that. I think he's uh, more than capable of becoming a major champion. I'll be disappointed if he doesn't become a major champion and a little bit surprised. And I think he's got the game for an Open. He's got two really good Opens to his name, including Carnoustie, which was five years ago. He's come a long way in five years. Uh, I think he's got a massive chance, yeah. I'm surprised to see him this low on the board, and I think that his first-round performance of the Scottish really helps us out in the situation where I think he hit almost every green in regulation and was worst in the field in putting. So that's always a benefit because, I mean, the odds... When the general public doesn't look at these things. The bookmakers might look at these things, but when we're trying to research some of this stuff that all of a sudden he's at 25 right now at DraftKings, if people say, oh, shit, he missed the cut at the Scottish, what a bum, 
well, maybe maybe this is finally the time he gets pushed down the board because everyone was lining up to bet Patrick Cantley at 14 to 1 to win the US Open, but you might get more than double that price a month later and people have no interest. That's actually when I would start to have interest. Now, can Cantley actually win a major? Is he just American Tommy Fleetwood? Yeah, maybe he'll gag it down the stretch. But what you said, the top 15s, I will note that he's never really been in contention in a major to actually win. There were a few times at the Masters when he's been up there, he never really had a real chance of winning. It's just he was up there for a moment and then kind of went away. And every time he sniffed contention this year at the Masters, he immediately went away. And I don't think he ever got within four strokes of the lead anyway. But it reminds me a lot of Patrick Reed's major record until he broke through at Augusta where he had never had any great performances but he was always just kind of lurking on the second page of the leaderboard yeah and you can the other way i mean i don't know how close he got he definitely hit the front in 2019 at augusta when tiger won i don't know how close he got to the winning score obviously he was playing a long way ahead of the field and they all had 13 and 15 and you know he would have had to play really well the last three holes to have a, a chance and he did the opposite it um but he's one of those who I, I think in some ways, like he's not really got scar tissue, if that's the right phrase. He's not played, to my knowledge, in the final group. No, he can't have played in the final group in a major on Sunday. I don't think he's done it on Saturday. So he's, he's just not played well over the first 36 holes or well enough. Um, and then we come down to what we would expect to happen if he found himself in the final group here on Sunday. And I don't, I wouldn't have low expectations in any way. Um, I think he's, I think he's, way tougher than a lot of people give him credit for he's won a lot of titles um, Patrick Cantlay a lot of really good events um, yeah low scoring generally but I don't think that's something I'd hold against him either so he's, he's a bit like Rahm actually like I just have slight concerns whether he might be slow from the blocks when, when play begins on Thursday but if he can get himself up there early I think he'll stick around um, he's done everything but win this year really I, you know and again that's a small negative I suppose but I do think we're we're being compensated. If if you ask me which of him and Xander is most likely to win a major, it's Cantlay every time. Um, and therefore, if one's 20 and one's 28 and I rate them the other way around, then it would have to be Cantlay. Is this finally Tyrrell Hatton's time? Because he is the best player who hasn't won this year. He is, and he's been putting so well. And there's a slight worry that, you know, he is a good putter. So he's, you know, saying that he's been putting well. It's not criticism, but... Um, I think a lot of people will focus on his temperament and I think to the point where it becomes a little bit worn, but I do think it's valid. I do think when you've got someone who talks himself out of things occasionally, like, and I know he's achieved so much and I don't think I'm not one of these people who thinks he needs to, you know, completely sort himself out. Like to a, to a large degree, his success is a product of who he is and he's really good at losing his rag and then, Two minutes later, he's smiling again. I mean, the, the guy's crazy. Um, but I do think in those key moments, like this is a serious golf tournament. And I think there are worries that he would just get lost for too many times in the event. Uh, and and one mistake can turn into two mistakes very quickly before he's had a chance to laugh it off. Um, which is a roundabout way of saying, I don't think he's great value for someone who's leaned on his putter and who doesn't have the best majors record. But, it is getting better. And the one thing I would say in his favor is if he does win a major, uh, the Open would be the clear favorite of the four. I don't think he's a US Open champion for a second. I can't really see him winning the Masters. It's the other two. And I'm sure he'd tell you the Open's the one which, uh, which favors him most. His driving has been immaculate. 
Even during the Scottish, uh, there was, I think it was hole eight, where everyone has to lay up in front of the bunkers. Ricky actually drove it into the bunkers. And, like, they were willing to sacrifice having a 200-yard approach shot on a pretty short par four to avoid that danger. Hatton, there's a little landing area just to the left of the bunkers where you can take it on. Hatton just pulls out driver and hits it exactly to the right place. And we've been seeing that over and over. Like, I am astonished at how well he's driving the ball over the past three months. Yeah, and it, but largely because he, when he's on, he has probably the straightest ball flight of any top thirty player in the world. So when he's on, it just there's no, you know, he's not got to worry about, you know, shaping it around this and that. It just hits in a laser straight line. So um, under the right circumstances, he's an awesome driver of the ball. And actually, he's put on, you know, probably similar to speed. Really, he's put on that little bit of distance, which can make such a difference. Um, so yeah, you know, there's there's really no flaw in his game. I just I, I really, and I don't want to be one of those guys. Oh, Tyrrell Hatton's attitude is not good enough because I don't, I don't, I wouldn't characterize it like that. I just, it's more temperament than attitude. I think is a fairer way to put it. Hopefully, Fitz is another one who gained distance off the tee, but it really crushed his accuracy, especially lately. I'm out on Fitz. Yeah, and he says he's not a great links golfer, which isn't a good start. He's got a really <laughs> good record at the Renaissance, but that's kind of pretend links. Um, his open record's fine, but it's like fine as in he's been 23rd the last three. Um, that's quite a step from where he would like to be. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty low on him for all that we're talking a major champion playing on home soil. Obviously been a long wait for an English winner of this thing. So I'll be happy if that changes, but uh, it's Team Tommy. Dustin Johnson is 28 to 1 as well. I'd expect his number to drop a little bit because, frankly, 30 players can't be sub 30 to 1 once the actual odds get out. When they're future bets, sure. Take as much handle as you want. If you actually want to encourage action week of, that's not going to be the case. He was just fifth in London on live. He's been kind of lurking at majors the first two rounds, and then just one bad round throws him out. He's been close at Open Championships in the past. Uh, and he does have that veteran presence, like you talked about, Brooks. Nothing rattles him. I have a little bit of interest, just not at this number. Yeah, I'm interested in DJ. Again, a bit like Shane, want a three rather than a two at the start of the number. Um, four would be nice, but I don't think it's realistic. Um, I, I thought the way he hit the ball at the US Open was a real strong indication that he is now getting there. Um, because for a lot of the time over the last 12 months, it's been, you know, frankly, a player of his ability should have playing a bit better on the live golf tour i think that's fair to say i think he's been sort of a peripheral character in the majors he was there at st andrews i was on him actually at 35 for st andrews when there were doubts about his form i think his form is better uh 12 months on and we might get the same number i don't think it's necessarily going to be as suitable because obviously he played so well here for much of the tournament in 2014 shot 65 in round two but the course was a lot softer I think he went out of bounds on the final hole of the tournament. I'd have to check that, but I'm pretty sure he did, um, which hides how well he had played for 71 holes. So I'm pretty pretty keen on Dustin. Yeah, it would just depend on the number. But I do think, um, you know, he, he could have won it at Royal St. George's. And he, although Driver's been, you know, his main weapon over the years, I suppose, he's very happy hitting irons and three woods and, uh, and managing his way around a golf course. And he's golfing IQ versus his actual IQ. There's quite a big gap there and. um yeah, I could see him being a late career Open champion, no doubt. Justin Thomas, you buying? You have interest or just no? If he's 50-plus, you have to have interest. You, you just have to. I mean, I, I'm on it this week. It's not going to work out, but <laughs> he played fine in round one. 
Um, there's nothing wrong with his game. I, I don't think like fun. I mean, obviously there is. You look at the data, there is something wrong with his game. You look at his results, there's something wrong with his game. What I'm saying is, um, I don't think there's a like he's not far away from being Justin Thomas again. Um, I, and everything you hear, like he went around Sunningdale the week before the Scottish Open in '65. I gather on Monday or Tuesday of the U.S. Open, he just made his playing partners look silly. He just, you know, I think he was Max Homer he played with, and he he had him beat by about the 13th hole. And I think when you hear these things are happening, yeah, we can we can dismiss them as irrelevant. But I actually think they probably speak to someone who's just lacking that. He just there's a, a, a switch to flick, and when it gets flicked, uh, it did at the Travelers, didn't it? It got flicked in round two, and he stuck around all week. And then people got really hung up on Detroit, where he lost like I can't remember the number, but he lost like four strokes around the greens or something crazy. It was just a, a complete outlier performance um, that instead people have taken as symptomatic of a crisis. Um, I don't think he's in crisis. I think he's closer than he looks. You wouldn't want to bet him at twenty eight and thirty three, but if you can get fifty. I think you have to strongly consider it. I bet on... Even though you'll lose money. Yeah, you'll lose money. But hey, you lose money on most golfers they end up betting. At least you want to have some exactly. conviction and big numbers with it. I bet on Thomas this week, too. I haven't given up the fact that he can't win this tournament. He's still got time to go. He's not out of it as of yet. But in terms of the Open, Bryson is also 35-1. to 1. Sneaky good majors track record over the past 12 months with Bryson he's back being healthy uh, didn't have the best go at live London he was t11 at minus eight bad first round for him I think he's just a better DraftKings play than a bet because no one wants to use Bryson so inevitably he just becomes a good daily fantasy play but I don't have a ton of interest at 35 to one no the only you know he, he could have missed the cut in every open start so far and he just scraped through at St Andrews and in the end it looks like a good it was a good performance on the weekend um but St Andrews is a course where he can go and attack and and chip and putt and 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 make a 67 around here i think he lacks the subtlety i i don't think i mean it's easy to dismiss him as this you know he was a very very good golfer uh well you know he'll tell you his best golf was before the protein shakes and the bacon but um, I do think the the thing that predisposes him to playing well in majors in the US does not apply here, and and therefore, yeah, he, I, I'm a, I'm guessing you'll know more than me on this. Absolutely, I'm guessing he'll be relatively low owned, and that might give you some upside. But I don't think he's going to win the Open Championship, and I doubt he'll be in the top ten. Okay, next up is Jason Day. We talked about veteran golfers who can come through. Jason Day's had some great open performances, good at the Masters. I think I would need to see a five in front of his name before I bet him, but he's currently 35 to one, which would have me out. Yeah, I think I might need three figures, to be honest, and obviously we're not going to get that. Um, he's just completely lost the plot since he won the Nelson, and it's really weird how often that happens, right? I I, I don't understand golf um, much as I'd love to, or as much as I'd love to, but He's played poorly since the Nelson. He putted really well last time, so he made a cut. But prior to that, he just done nothing well. Um, he hits it really high, which is a worry uh, in the Open. The one he nearly won is St Andrews, where you can just, you know, bomb and wedge it. I'm afraid. Um, yeah, I'm not interested at all in Jason Day. And and you know, there, there might be an angle to pursue in something like the top Australian market if you can get Cameron Smithby and you can take Jason Day out of it. You know, maybe Adam Scott can just plod around, finish twelfth, and take that market. Yeah, I mean, Adam Scott, I think, is going to end up being a very popular bet uh, when it gets down to it, because we can talk about him next. He's a very good price at the moment. I believe he is 66 to 1, and I think that's going to get 
yeah, 65 to 1, sorry. And he's going to get crushed pretty soon uh, when it comes to the market. You know, two top 10s the last two times. He's that old that he's played here in 2006 and 2014. I just don't see it. Like, I don't see it as a win. I see him as being a decent DraftKings player. Like you said, a T12, sure. I don't see him winning. Yeah, I think it was the USPGA when I was messaging a colleague of mine moaning about the fact he was playing well. It must have been the Nelson or something like that. I can't remember exactly. Um, and moaning that it was going to mean I couldn't put him up. And this person replied saying, look, he always looks like, um, you know, there are reasons to, to get on board. And he just disappoints everybody who thinks they've gone to something at 66 or 80 to 1. And although that's a little cruel and, and I could see him playing really well, it's kind of the case, isn't it, that when it comes down to it, I think there are players at similar or even bigger odds that actually – I could see winning the Open or at least having a really good run at it. And I think Adam will probably just play quite well for quite a long time. Um, and, you know, he, he's actually relied on the putter this year. And yet if he stood over an eight-foot putt to win the Open, I think all of us would expect that putt to miss. And that <laughs> might seem harsh, um, but I think it fairly sums up where he is and his chance to win the Open probably came and went uh, back at Lytham. Tony Finau is 40 to 1. That number is ridiculous at the moment for Tony Finau. He should be, I don't know, like you said with Day, something like 180 to 1, but no thanks at 40 to 1 for me with Tony. Yeah, he's completely lost again. I don't, it's funny, like I've written in my profiles, like he's either really good in majors or not winning tournaments, or he's winning tournaments and he's really not very good in majors. Um, putting those two things sort of together, aligning them, seems beyond him. Um, good open record. That's the only thing. Like he's not missing the cut in the open yet. Um, he's got a really good attitude. He doesn't mind, you know, reining it back sometimes when he when he feels the need to. So, yeah, he could. But I, on his early season form, he's a big price. On his current form, he's a short price, and I tend towards the the latter. Yeah, I have a future on him to win the 3M Open at twenty to one. I feel much better about that than any number that you'd put in front of him at the Open Championship. Max Homa is forty to one as well. No thanks. I'm closer than you on that. I know he's got a poor majors record, um, but he's playing well in Scotland. He loves the idea of Lynx golf. He, he, I think he has a real interest in the heritage of the sport and all these little things that maybe make you a little bit more interested in the Open Championship. It's fair to say not everybody is sold on the Open, um, you know, who, who didn't grow up in the UK. Um, but I think he is. I think he's playing really well. Um, he kind of hit a few bad shots on the back nine of his second round in Scotland, but he some brilliant up and downs. Um, I think he's interesting. I, I don't think he's going to be one of these guys who we end his career and like, well, how was he so bad at majors? I think it, I think we'll be saying, well, it took him a long time to figure it out, but he did figure it out in the end. I'm not saying he's a major champion, but I'm I'm saying he's going to contend for one. And I actually think the Open's probably as likely as any is the four, which puts him apart from some of his peers. So yeah, I'm kind of interested in Max probably 50 more than 40 but yeah i'm not ruling him out yeah i think i'd have to get to 75 or 80 before i started giving some max homa consideration to my betting card especially if what i want to do at the top is maybe take one or two of the guys in the 20s cam young uh coming off a good john deere classic performance uh, i think that st andrews was perfect for him i don't think that this course is perfect for him agree okay justin rose any faith <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of, he's figured out the Open again. He, he went a long time not really getting the Open. And actually, Justin Rose, in the sort of middle part of his career, uh, did very, very well at reinventing his game a little bit and trying to hit the ball as high as he possibly could. I remember there's a there's a Sean Foley quote where he says, I've never met a golfer or something like this who gets so much pleasure out of hitting the ball high. 
Um, and that's probably hurt him in the Open down the years. But in more recent ones, he's figured it out. He's a winner this year. The trends are pretty good for him. He does everything well. And he's really, really good. I think he's a slightly better version of Adam Scott, right? They're both of them singularly focused on playing well in and contending for majors before time is up. I think Rose is a little bit more likely and a little bit better uh, at doing that. Um, so I think I expect him to be up and around the top of the leaderboard. Yeah. Um, whether the, there's great value in the price, we'll, we'll see what those revised prices are on Monday. But I do think Justin Rose will have a good week here. Have we overlooked Wyndham Clark and how well that he's playing? Yeah, possibly. I mean, uh, we, you know, I made that mistake at the US Open. Um, can anyone look more stupid than me having made him my player to follow in 2023 and not followed him um you know to see him win two tournaments at 66 to one is is well it's annoying but then again i wouldn't have had him as a u.s open champion i thought he was going to win a 3m open or something this year and he's proven way way better than that um he's got all the shots he says he's loved links golf since he played the amateur championship i think at port rush um he showed some encouragement without setting the world on fire in scotland that will keep his odds on the high side kind of have an interest yeah i do i don't think he's gonna win the open but i didn't think he was gonna win the u.s open uh and he might just make people look a bit silly again tom kim is the last one player by player that i want to go through obviously having a fantastic scottish open through two rounds had a fantastic scottish open a year ago uh when i went through the research show numbers all kind of pointed towards tom kim being a very perfect fit and he kind of follows the same lineage of what we see with Hatton, what we see with Morikawa, and some of the more accuracy-based players, I think that an Open is a good tournament for him because he can still hit driver. The lack of distance isn't going to be a problem. The irons have come back, and the putting hasn't been as bad, and he seems to putt really well on these slower greens. Yeah, there's loads to like about Tom Kim. I just keep going back to the fact that his 21st birthday was like three weeks ago. <laughs> you don't win the Open at 21. It's not allowed. It's disrespectful to the RNA and golf in scotland and all the thousands of people who laid the path it just can't happen i i i will be amazed if a 21 year old wins the open championship so that's a silly reason when you've given me some very good data-based reasons for thinking tom kim will play well uh but it's the reason i'm going with he is too young come back in five years so the rest of the list that I had written down before the final like few european players that i wanted to talk about hideki sungjae burns reed minwoo gooch keegan bradley Corey connor see woo Kim, Louis Oosthuizen is back, coming off a nice week in uh, London Centurion. Ryan Fox is on this list as well as that range of 55 to 100 to 1, 90 to 1. Is there any one of those guys that piques your interest? Sungjae purely on class and the fact that I think he can do well in this tournament in time. But in the here and now, probably um, the one I'm most interested in, I mean, apart from the fact that it's always tempting to back Hideki Matsuyama at that kind of price, um, is Corey Connors. Um, I, I kind of feel like he's on the right path to going really well and really close in a major and maybe the Open. He was close after three rounds at Royal St. George's. He played fine at St. Andrews, which wouldn't suit him as much. Uh, he, he can keep out the bunkers. He can hit the middle of the green. Yeah, I'd, if he puts okay, I could see Corey Connors being involved in the tournament. Um, we'll see if he can win it, but, you know, if he's going to win one, why not during this golden year for Canadian golf? But yeah, Corey Connors at like 80, I think is, is of interest because I think he's rock solid. I know he did not play great in Scotland, but again, that's going to keep the price uh, on the high side. And yeah, I think he'll have a good week. It's funny. His good round in Scotland were in the damp conditions. His bad round in Scotland or when chipping and putting became more of a thing 
<laughs> rather than just pure ball striking the entire time. Beyond 100 to 1, three guys that I had written down that popped up in my research as seemingly pretty good plays. I mean, Victor Perez popped up too, but I don't know about that so much. Jordan Smith. Uh, Daniel Hillier, who's just on a hot run right now, and Kurt Kitayama would be the three that I would look at. Aaron Rye, I mean, I love Aaron Rye, uh, and he's not going to get himself into trouble. And maybe having a bad week at the Scottish is just what his uh, just what his number needed. Although, I think, did he have to play his way in? Is he in this tournament? He's not in right now. He'd have to play his way in, wouldn't he? So, don't worry about him. Yeah, he failed. He didn't come through the qualifier. So, yeah, I think we're okay with Aaron Rye. But um, Kitayama will spray a couple of shots onto the wrong hole if he gets away with it then yeah he could be a factor he's obviously got great form in the wind the Arnold Palmer but as well when he won in Oman and when he nearly won in Qatar when he won in Mauritius like he's he's very very comfortable in the wind um and he can do all things well at the right sort of time he does like to hit driver but maybe the fact that he's not going to be able to hit it too often might help him because it does I mean it, it probably should have cost him at Bay Hill um, and it and it can do so. Yeah, um, Kitayama is definitely one at a big price who fits some of the trends, like his world ranking. The fact he's won this year, um, you know, second in the Scottish Open last year is another feather in his cap, I guess. Uh, Jordan Smith flushes it. His putting is appalling, um, <laughs> and I would think he's probably someone who's much more comfortable on a course with some trees and some definition than um, and playing the ball in the air rather than on the ground. Um, and I've forgotten who the other one was you asked me about. But was, oh, was, Daniel Hillier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, anyone who's won recently and played as well as he has and kept that going in Scotland, uh, you have to respect. I think he's got all kinds of talent. Um, you know, is he going to win the Open? No, but um, could he Could he continue this run of top 20s? Yeah, no, why not? Uh, and look, one of the most shocking Open champ. Uh, sorry, major champions of the last 20 years is a uh, a New Zealand qualifier, so maybe it could happen twice. Are, are there some players from the DP World Tour or just longer shots down the board that do just initially have your interest, not even to commit to betting them to win, but you could see having a good performance this week? Yeah, um, I mean, Matty Jordan, You'll if you haven't heard it yet, you'll hear it <laughs> in the coming days. He's a member at Royal Liverpool, right? I'm telling you something you know there, but um, I think that will help him. But he's he's also a really good coastal golfer. Um, he probably likes hitting driver a bit much. Um, I'd give a mention for Ewan Ferguson, one of the sort of unsung Scots, even though he won twice last year. He won the Qatar Masters. And if you look at the Qatar Masters role of honour, um, pretty much everybody on it, or most people on it, guys like Sergio, Brennan Grace, Adam Scott, Ernie Els, Henrik Stenson, I think is is one of them. Paul Laurie certainly is. Thomas Bjorn. This is like a who's who of good open championship golfers. Uh, Ewan Ferguson also won a big... Um, UK amateur event at Hoylake about 10 years ago. So uh, potentially him, Matthew Southgate, brilliant links golfer, finished, I think, sixth at Troon. Um, he's flushing the ball. His short game can let him down, but he's he's really good at picking apart golf courses. So there'd be three of the ones who um, definitely have the right skills for it, the right attitude for it. Um, and, you know, probably of the three, I would lean towards Ewan Ferguson, but but all of them should be of some interest. They're, they're not the biggest names in Europe by any means, but they can nudge it around here and, and use their link smarts uh, because they will like conditions. I mean, I was on Ferguson this week, so maybe doubling back down next week is how I lose double my money. So that sounds fantastic. I, I am excited to do that. The last two were like uh, Lawrence and Moronk. Are these the right style of courses for them? Not really Moronk. You wouldn't have thought he's a fabulous young golfer and he might he might be properly world-class in the next five or ten years. And when you get to that level, it's usually because you've so, shown the skills to perform at a wide range of courses. But for now, despite winning the Australian Open when it was pretty firm and he beat Adam Scott, I think Lynx Golf is a little bit 
too nuanced for him. And and look, he's one of the best drivers on the DP World Tour. He's probably one of the top 10 drivers of the ball in golf at the moment. So if we're taking that away from him, I think he's one you could be fairly cool on. Um, and I've forgotten again who the other player was. Thriston Lawrence, that's it. Uh, I think he's a former winner of the St. Andrews Lynx Trophy or the he might have even won the Amateur Championship. He's won a big UK Lynx amateur event. Uh, he's won three times since he came on the DP World Tour, might be four. Um, he's won recently. Um, yeah, he's good. He's good. Um, and he's one of those who's pretty pretty reliable once he's there, or he has been over the last 12 months. So, yeah, I'd be semi-interested in him. And we know about South Africans in the Open Championship. Could he be the Louis Tazen? I mean, he was kind of similar profile when he won this in 2010. Maybe, maybe. And, uh, yeah, he certainly has some upside. Yeah, so and like we, we don't even need to talk about Bjork. He just comes inside the top 10 every week. We'll see how he finishes in Scotland to see if we want to jump on that. Last question. Do you think Aberg makes the Ryder Cup team? Yeah. I do too. All right. But I hope he doesn't get in that side ahead of Nikolai because I'm telling you Nikolai needs to be on that team. Put them both in. Do you think you can take Nikolai without taking Rasmus? Is it one of those deals like the like we saw <laughs> be, both we saw both you know, we saw both Molinari's make the team like the very first go around? Then it was like, all right, just Francesco is going to play on this team. Eduardo, you can kind of beat it. But if they're both in contention the first time around, it feels like they might just try to take both or leave them both off, which I think is really stupid. But I could see that playing a factor. Yeah, you know what? It's 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 not the worst logic in the world. I don't think there's going to be room for both of them. Um, and I would take Nikolai because he hits it about 30 yards further. I mean, Rasmus is long, but Nikolai is silly long. He's obviously won at the course. Um, he's playing well this week as well. So um, it'll be interesting. I mean, Eduardo, if you remember, he, he got in the side because he won the last event. He would not have got in. He got a wild card pick at the last minute, I think, ahead of Casey. Um, uh so maybe, you know, Nikolai or Rasmus can do that at the last minute. And and in some ways it helps the other. It could help the other if that happened. If they're in doubt about one of them, but they're sure I want the other, then maybe it gets the other one over the line. Look, they'll play Ryder Cups together in future. It doesn't have to be this year, but I just, I'm adamant Nikolai needs to be on that team. So Nikolai on the team, Aberg on the team, that leaves two spots. I got to feel like Moronk's probably on the team. And then that's one spot. Is it like Straka, Patty Harrington, Yannick Paul, Victor Perez? Like it could be anyone, right? Just who plays well the next two months? Yeah, pretty much. I, for me, it shouldn't be Straka, but that's a whole another discussion. Like, may, okay, if he if he kicks on, but I I have my doubts about Straka. Um, maybe it's the fact that I don't want anyone in that team room with a strong Georgia accent. But um, <laughs> uh, whatever the case, uh, it's it's really tight battle. It's going to be really interesting, and it and it will come down to as you said, one of those guys goes and wins. Um, even at a relatively low level, it could be the thing that makes the difference. And Straka, by the way, didn't go over to Italy. He's had three chances and has not gone over there. Um, if that costs him, then he's got himself to blame. All right, that will do it on the Pat Mayo Experience. Ben, when does the giant column come out for the Open Championship? Today. So Ooh. by the time this is wherever it's going to be, yeah, you can read it on sportinglife.com. Uh, it'll take a while. There'll be some jokes you don't understand. That's fine. Uh, and I'm cruel about some players, and hopefully that's taken in the right spirit. Uh, actually, if I can just briefly share, once someone shared it with Paul Laurie, because people get very defensive about their heroes, and I was being rude to a former Open champion, but I was, you know, it was in a light-hearted way. And Paul Laurie sort of retweeted it and said, look, the truth hurts. I'm rubbish. So uh, good on him for that. Who are you the meanest to this time around? Well, Patrick Reed, obviously. Um, right, after but, that, possibly oh, you, Bryson. I oh, mean, I'm very predictable. You don't love Patrick Reed and Bryson like I do? Come on. 
fun. They're the most uh, likable yeah. guys on the on planet Earth. Love them. Hey, hey, I'm glad that they exist because they give me things to say in these profiles, which would otherwise be a little bit dull at times. But um, yeah, I'd say they're the ones I've been mean about. Um, Taylor Gooch a little bit, but you know he deserves it. People need to stop telling me he's better at golf than Justin Thomas. I'm getting sick of it. Hey, the, you mean the Tiger Woods of live? He's great. Put him on the right. Absolutely. Of <laughs> him and Charles Howe. Yeah, why not? <laughs> ben Coley at Ben Coley Golf. You can follow him on Twitter. A great follow. Thank you for all of the time today. If you missed the research show, you can check that out on Mayo Media Network. And if you sub to Mayo Media Network, you get three ballots in the draw for the 2000 bucks. Play in the Listener's League. And if you just click down in the description, you can find all of the ways to get in that draw to win $2,000. So, Ben, you can go do that one, too, uh, to see if you can just, you know, put... I know the 2000 bucks isn't going to be quite 2000 pounds to you, but, you know, it's it's close enough with the way the exchange rate works these days but that will do it for me thank you all for watching i'll see you next time for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.